The Daily Tap is live. For Wednesday, we will talk about what success looks like for Luke Fickle at the University of Wisconsin. We'll also talk about why Marquette is a breath of fresh air. We'll recap their win against Baylor. I was in the building for it. It was an awesome basketball game. So again, that. We'll also do some quick hitters. I was going to bring back the Wisconsin Shotsky, which we haven't done in forever, but I can't find a third topic. Maybe we'll do a third topic, just more of a Chuck's Corner randomness and ride out here. Oh, I did have another Chuck's Corner. So let's bring it all in one. We'll do the Shotsky. We're going to talk Rogers playing. We're going to talk about what a sports day we have on Saturday. We're going to talk about Christmas trees. And then we'll add a fourth one. We'll add a fourth shot. Um, a confession that I have to make about the Pfizer Forum. Before we get going, just a reminder, follow us along on the socials, tapping the keg on Twitter, tapping the keg sports on Instagram, as well as TikTok. Been a little slow on talks this week. Uh, we'll try to get better as the week goes on. It's always tough, um, you know, balancing it out between the daytime and just work and doing content. Um, it's not fun. And as I said yesterday, um, we're mind some help. Um, so if you have some interest, um, reach out. Um, I would love to discuss what we could do. And then uh, make sure that you are subscribed. Uh, that's best way to be part of the podcast, part of the family. Um, Apple, Spotify, wherever you get them. If you're new, if you came in through the viral video that we have on Instagram and you wanted to check out what we have, uh, we're on those platforms. We're on everywhere else as well. Um, if we're not on a platform that you are listening to podcasts, please let me know. I will be more than happy to set that up. Uh, and if you already are subscribed, make sure you're rating and reviewing, man. Uh, really appreciate that. Let people know what we have here. The reviews are great. The ones that have come in, I would love to see more. All right, let's talk about Luke Fickle and the University of Wisconsin. Luke Fickle is now the Badgers head coach. We talked about it a lot on Monday's show. You can go back and listen to sort of the reaction of it because it was stunning. I don't think anyone expected Luke Fickle to take the Wisconsin job, but it seems like Chris McIntosh moved in silence. And because the Madison media is sort of, they just let it happen, right? They don't necessarily, you know, stir the pot too much. Um, and, and you see that at all colleges. There's isn't a critique of the people there. Everyone there who I follow on Twitter seems like great dudes and great gals. So I'm not, I'm not trying to be critical. It just seems like at major college programs, they kind of let the colleges cook. They don't necessarily go into deep investigations and things like that. If anything, that's more on the national side of things. That's more of a Bruce Feldman uh, breaking a story or I think who else? Uh, Chris Vianney has broken stories. Um, i trying to think of other like prominent college football. Andy Staples, I guess I would put in that category as well. Like those are the guys that are going to be breaking the stories. Nicole Auerbach's another one. Like those people will fit family, obviously, as uh, McAfee calls them the authority. Like those are dudes who and gals who are going to break those stories. So I'm not, I'm not trying to be critical, but I think that this is how the fickle thing happened because he, Chris McIntosh kept an extremely low profile. Chris McIntosh gave off the, I wouldn't say facade's almost too strong, but like he gave off this vibe that Jim Leonard was going to be the head coach, right? And then Jim Leonard wasn't. And it was Luke Fickle. And I think there are some Badger fans and some former players that are having a tough time adapting to Fickle because he's not part of the family. Those of us who are outside of the Badger circle, who follow Badger football, but maybe it's not our key sport, your boy over here, 
Like, I'm fired up about it. I love Luke Fickle. I think Luke Fickle is a great coach. I look at Luke Fickle as a guy that Wisconsin should replicate their you know, their team around, and he's they're going to get to do it. I actually think I might. I have to look at it, but I'm pretty sure I have a tweet about that. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if it was this year or last year, but I'm pretty sure that I, I tweeted out something like, the, the Badgers should learn from Cincinnati and learn what they, they do, and, and just say I called it, right? Now, I like, it's weird. I just remember this as I'm talking about the uh, this, and I'm now mad at myself. I didn't tweet this out on Sunday. But anyways, Luke Fickle still has a lot of work to do at the University of Wisconsin. I would not call it a rebuilding project, but I do think that Fickle needs to get what works here in the state of Wisconsin, as well as apply some of the recruiting techniques that he had at Cincinnati, right? Cincinnati had nine players go to the NFL last year. It was the third highest draft team other than Georgia and LSU. That's pretty damn good. I'm pretty sure that was that that was the the stat that we saw. But I know it was three. I just didn't know if it was I know they were third. I just don't know if it's LSU or Bama. Regardless, Cincinnati develops talent. Desmond Ritter was a second round quarterback. Sauce Gardner was a top five pick. Kobe Bryant, his counterpart at the counter cornerback position, is one of the better rookies in the NFL for the Seattle Seahawks. Cincinnati has done a fantastic job in developing guys for the next level. I don't think Wisconsin can say that. Now, they, they've they had guys who've done all right in the NFL, like Sanborn's up and obviously the Watts and TJ Edwards, but Edwards and Watt are from another generation. This generation of Badgers has not had the same amount of success as we've seen the ones in the past. So that is something for Fickle to work on. And there are going to be people that buy in and there are going to be people that don't. We'll wait the news on Braylon Allen. Um, the transfer portal stuff starts on December 5th. Um, so we'll know before then if Braylon Allen plans to stay or he plans to go. It would be obviously crushing if Braylon Allen leaves. But if Braylon Allen does not want to be a part of what Luke Fickle is trying to build, that's his fault. And I'm not necessarily going to be that upset about it. I mean, Braylon Allen's a great player. But as I said on Monday, and I mean this, you can't let 20-year-olds dictate the future of your program. They're only going to be here for four years. They're not staying here for seven or eight years. If they were, maybe you could make that case. Um, it's really interesting. UAB just went through the exact same thing as Wisconsin did. UAB wanted to meet the president to you know, basically say that they wanted to keep the intern. And they wanted to meet with the president, the whole team. Everybody was on board. The president rebuked them. President then turned around and, and hired Trent Dilfer, uh, who's a high school coach and former Super Bowl winning quarterback. I realize that's loosely because he won a Super Bowl based on the Baltimore Ravens defense. And Trent's an interesting guy and I think sat on Rosillo's show last week, Ryan Rosillo, that, like, that he wouldn't take a college job. And now Dilfer has a pretty prominent role with a UAB team that's moving into the AAC next season. So... The players do not have the power in college. They think they do because they watch it in the NFL. They watch it in the NBA, even in a little bit of baseball. They see that. And they're like, why can't we do that here? And it just doesn't work. So I think the first thing for Luke Fickle to be successful is to make sure everybody's bought in. And that everybody is on the same page and that everybody sort of understands the vision. And you're going to crack eggs, right? There are going to be people 
prominent names that do not like it, whether it's John Torchio, whether it's Nick Herbig, whether it's Allen. Like, they're, one of those guys will probably transfer, okay? Let's just call it as it is because that's college football. That's the society of it. I do think Fickle will bring in dudes right away, whether it's from Cincinnati, whether it's from other programs that fit what Fickle is trying to do. We've seen this with new college coaches all the time. Lincoln Riley is the best example of it. And I think there are some that would probably feel a little uneasy about what Lincoln Riley did. And I was talking to a guy yesterday I went to the Marquette game with and was mentioning how he doesn't like Chris Beard because Chris Beard basically did that, right? He brought in all these transfers in Texas. I realize it's college basketball versus college football, but it is the same thing, right? Beard was like, all right, I'm not gonna recruit my own guys. I'm just gonna bring in a bunch of transfers and speed up this process. That's how you expedite the process is by adding a bunch of guys to the tran- to you know the transfer portal and making sure that you you're kind of back up right away and that there are a lot of people that fit your vision. I think number 2 is making sure that you are a perennial in the conversation for the expanded college football playoff. The Big 10 is going to do away with conferences, all right? We're not gonna have a Big 10 West, we're not gonna have a Big 10 East. I think a consequence of this, which is gonna piss a lot of people off, is I think Ohio State, Michigan will be played a week earlier. I think the only reason why we we do not have split conferences yet in the Big 10 is because Ohio State and Michigan do not wanna play each other in back-to-back weeks. I think that's something both programs look at it and are like, fuck, that would be such a bitch to deal with We'd rather push it back a week so that we could play each other on the, 20, the week of the 20th. I realize it's Thanksgiving and there's a lot of tradition. I entirely understand. I actually do think maybe I'd have to look back at like Wikipedia and things like that. But I'm pretty sure before college football sort of expanded that Ohio State and Michigan was that third week in November. And they shifted it back to be the last game of the year. So if Ohio State of Michigan is up a, a week and then Ohio State of Michigan play either a non-con or they play another Big Ten team the last week of the season, that's what it is. But that would give you the ability to get Ohio State of Michigan again in the Big Ten title game, which would be much anticipated. The ratings would be massive. Um, everybody would come back for Ohio State of Michigan. You saw what happened with Duke, North Carolina when they played each other in the Final Four. I think the exact same thing would happen ratings-wise with Ohio State Michigan, and I think they want that, right? And a lot of these conferences are doing away with divisions. SEC announced that. I think the Big 12 has done that. And I and actually, I've loved it for the Big 12 because you get the two best teams in the conference final, right? We're going to see that with TCU and Kansas State on Friday. So, or Saturday, excuse me. So for Wisconsin to compete, they need to be in that conversation. They need to be up around there where... They might have lost to Ohio State, but they have a tiebreaker against Michigan because they beat Michigan. So then Wisconsin gets in. That's the that's what you need to prevent. You need to be able to compete with the big boys like Ohio State, like Michigan, like USC. I would even include UCLA just given their recent success. I don't that might be a little bit overreactionary. Penn State also in the mix. And I don't, I don't think Jim Leonard could have done that. I think Jim Leonard would have kind of been a mid-tier team, and they just needed a new voice. And Luke Fickle, again, with the recruiting, with the success he's had, will make sure that Wisconsin is a top-tier program. 
And I think getting to the expanded playoff is another goal for the Badgers in the first five years of the college football playoff. We've done the modeling. There are multiple years where the Badgers would have gotten in. And I think it needs to be something that is a focus and a priority for Wisconsin. I think the home field advantage that Wisconsin has, if they were able to get a top eight seed or get a top four seed. Now, I think actually top four is not played at the location, so walk that back. But if they were able to get a five, six, or seven, or an eight, they're playing in Camp Randall in December. No one's going to want to be there. No SEC team is going to want to go to Camp Randall. They'll cancel this idea of on-campus games immediately. They, they won't want that smoke. So that's a huge home field advantage for Fickle and the boys. I really am fascinated to watch Wisconsin in the next five, five years. We won't go five to ten because who knows, right? Ryan Day could sputter. Ryan Day could go to the NFL. And then Luke Fickle goes to Ohio State. And for a lot of Badger fans, that is a Judas move. And I think that's one of those things that is going to be really tough for Wisconsin. Um, Fickle hopefully will enjoy it here. Fickle will hopefully be embraced where he doesn't feel like he has to make that jump. That interest will obviously always be there. That doesn't necessarily go away. I do wonder if Tennessee were to struggle from an NFL perspective, would Mike Rabel head to Ohio State? Um, and it, would they look there first? Uh, Vrabel obviously coached at Ohio State too. Um, Tennessee's been such a wagon though that I don't necessarily see Vrabel leaving. If anything, I, if Vrabel's going to leave, I think I mentioned this on the podcast after recapping Packer ten, Packers Titans, but like, I think Vrabel's like the next Patriots coach. And I don't really know how it works, but like to me, he's the closest thing to Belichick that Belichick has had with his disciples. So I don't really see Vrabel leaving the NFL. So yes, Flickle would then be the next guy, but maybe a guy like Brian Hartline who could get the Cincinnati job, who's been an excellent recruiter, who has developed wide receivers better than anybody in college football. Maybe Brian Hartline is the guy that's getting that job. Maybe it's somebody else, right? It doesn't exactly, it's not one-to-one. But I would assume that Luke Fickle would be a top candidate if Ryan Day were to leave. But Ryan Day obviously has a long leash. He's you know beat Michigan once, well, two, three times, which adds some pressure. But if Ohio State's back in the playoff, if TCU or USC stumbles, I think that's what Ohio State's second second out of three years for Day in the playoffs. Like you can't can't really hate on that. It, you can be mad about Michigan, but. He's, he's made it to the playoffs multiple times. He's, he obviously hasn't finished it yet, but that's that's a huge accomplishment for – actually, it might be three and three. Now that I think about it, I think they were in 2020. So, yeah, I mean, that's, that's massive for Ohio State. So I think Wisconsin obviously has a, a year to kind of build, right? I think with Luke Fickle, and we're going to talk about Marquette here in a second, which is interesting because a lot of people are, who are Marquette fans are not necessarily Wisconsin football fans. But – I think you have a year, you have a grace period of a year, right? You have a year to sort of build, even two years, I would say. Like that second year, you should start sort of seeing the in, the increase, right? Maybe it's not that you've made the playoff or you made the Big Ten title game, but you've knocked off in Ohio State or you've knocked off a Penn State and you've sort of started your ascend. And then year, year three, it's like, okay, holy shit, we're for real, we're back to what we were. 
And this return to prominence for Wisconsin is Luke Fickle's top priority. And I, I think he'll achieve it. I, I just don't know when. I don't know if it'll be year three or it'll be year two or if it's the first year. But I think the opportunities are endless. And the Badgers, as I said on, on Monday, made a home run higher. Speaking of those Marquette Golden Eagles, they beat the living shit out of Baylor last night, 96 to 70. I was extremely impressed with Marquette. I was in the building, uh, coach, my wife, uh, checked out that game and it was a great time. Like one of the best viewing experiences is that I've had at a basketball game in a very long time. It was hard to remember a time when Marquette was that good. It was a joyous experience to watch. The first half was just like, holy shit, Baylor doesn't want to be here. Like they had no business on the court with Marquette. And it was awesome to listen to like Omax Prosper after the game and say, like, we needed to play with audacity. Um, that's been a big shock of smart word recently. And we thought we were better than them. We didn't care about their ranking. Every time we step on the court, we think we are better than their opponent. And maybe we should have seen this coming with how they played against Purdue. I realize they didn't beat Purdue, but Purdue steamrolled everybody in the PK 85 over the weekend. They beat Duke by multiple, I think by double digits. They beat Gonzaga by double digits. They're now a top 10 team. Obviously that, that loss is going to look a lot better on their resume as it was a close loss. It's going to help you know, RPI-wise and help whatever. BPI, I don't think they use BPI, but ESPN talks about it, so I have to at least mention it. Obviously, will help their Kempom rating. They went up to 33 in Kempom, um, which is crazy. Uh, they jumped 25 points after their win against Baylor. And we'll talk more about the game, but before like we get too far into it, I just want to comment on what a sort of joy it is to have Marquette in my life. Uh, this is a welcomed experience. After having a really disappointing Packer season that was kind of unexpected, I don't think any of us saw this Packer year coming. Badger football was a mess. The Brewers were messy after the Josh Hader trade and really even before the Hader trade, right? Like June through September was a teeth pulling experience for the Milwaukee Brewers. First two months, fun as fuck. The rest of it wasn't. And so to basically have disappointing sports from June to November was a real bitch. Like, I'm not gonna lie, like that sucks. Like every week you're just kind of, thank you, sir, may I have another. And now you get this Marquette thing, which even if they don't beat Wisconsin, now I wanna beat Wisconsin, don't get me wrong. Like I wanna beat Wisconsin. But even if they don't beat Wisconsin and it's close and it's fun and it's just, they're alive again. Like that stadium last night, right? It's Tuesday night. It's 7.30. It is 15,000, 16,000 in there. I heard a little bit on Marquette Twitter where they were like, oh, it's the getting price is $5. And, you know, that's a shame. Like did, if did, there were only some pockets of the stadium that weren't full, right? And this is a Tuesday night. And I know it's a top 10 team, but still, and the fan, the students were so into it. And I, I, to credit to Shaka Smart, he's made the students a part of this program. And he's made them feel like they are as much of on the bench as, as his guys are, right? And Shaka's coaching his ass off and he's so fired up. And it is exactly how Shaka Smart wanted to play basketball on Tuesday night. 
Marquette was not deterred. They were relentless defensively. They did not get let Baylor get set. And they made it really hard for Baylor to score. And that's where Marquette ran it up on them. And it was over really from the first half. Like they're up 51 to 26 at halftime. And you worried, all right, will Baylor come back? Will Baylor come out firing? Baylor didn't. Baylor was on the mat and they stomped on their throat. We talk all the time in basketball, football, whatever it may be about not having that final step on the throat, especially when you get out to an early lead. Marquette stomped on that goddamn throat. And so to have that, to have that energy now, like I came away from that game being so excited about Marquette's prospects, right? Like I know Creighton and Connecticut have looked great in the Big East. I think Xavier has looked pretty solid as well. Seton Hall has had some moments. Big East is going to be good. Don't get me wrong. Not going to fly through the Big East. The only team in the Big East that's not playing well is Villanova. And I think because Villanova is not playing well, it's this sort of indictment that the Big East is struggling. I saw that a little bit from a couple of people I follow. And I just, I disagree with that because I, I look at the teams mentioned and I'm like, yeah, Xavier doesn't have the wins. Seton Hall might not have the wins, but Xavier kept it close against Duke and Indiana, two of the top two t- top 15 teams in college basketball. I think you have to at least acknowledge that they're playing decent basketball. St. John's has looked good. They haven't really played, I would say, the tenth talent that we've seen Creighton or or Connecticut play. But again, that's another team that deserves a mention so far. And so back to Marquette, it's like they can compete with anybody. I'm not scared of Connecticut. I'm not scared of Creighton. I'm not really scared of anyone. That's the takeaway from this Baylor game is that they competed with a top 10 team who maybe goes in on Saturday and beats Gonzaga. Probably not, but I would say Gonzaga, I would have favored there. But still, there's a there's a potential that that happens. And if they're able to hang with Gonzaga, it's like, okay, Marquette can certainly hang with Gonzaga. Marquette hung around with Purdue. And if it's not for, you know, getting tight in the, in the final moments of a game, they beat Purdue. If it's not a bad first half against Mississippi State where they they were thrown off by the defense of Mississippi State, which I actually think we'll talk more about Wisconsin Marquette this weekend with Mitch. We're doing Thursday tapping the keg, by the way. Um, You know, I think Mississippi State's defense will actually help with the Wisconsin game because they've seen a really good defense with Mississippi State. Like Chris Jans has them already playing his style of basketball, and it's been six games, seven games. But but yeah, I, I... I really enjoyed that experience last night. And Marquette just has dudes, man. And it's made it fun to cheer for them. It was such a arduous process to cheer for Marquette under Wojo. Um, And this it never really felt fun, right? It never felt like Marquette was this energetic, you know, scrappy, gritty team. Like Wojo sort of pulled the soul out of Marquette. And I know that sounds intense and that sounds maybe like hyperbole, but Marquette wasn't Marquette under Wojo. You started to see some signs with Shaka last year that Marquette was sort of getting back to the crack sidewalks, Al McGuire mentality. And this year, I feel like mission complete. Marquette is dogs, right? We talk about Pat McAfee overusing it. Maybe I overuse it, but like Sean Jones is a dog, right? He's no more than 5'10". I think he's listed as six foot. He's a short dude, but the guy works his ass off defensively. He's fast as fuck. He finishes at the lane. 
there's so much to like about Sean Jones. Omax Prosper is a legitimate NBA talent. When he is just in the flow of the game, not trying too hard, he can get 20 kind of without sort of blinking. You see the impact that Shaka Smart can have on big guys. We've talked about this before. This is why, while I understand why he did it, this is why I wanted Justin Lewis to come back. Because Shaka Smart develops big men better than anybody in college basketball. The proof is in the pudding, whether it's Jared Allen, whether it's Mo Bamba, whether it's Jackson Hayes. He has gotten guys as top five, top 10 picks in the NBA at the big man at the stretch position. I'm not saying Omax is at that level, but there is a real potential that Omax could be the star of this team and be that guy in the last five minutes. We've talked about that, and that's been my one critique of Marquette, and we didn't get to see it because, again, they ship pump Baylor. But it's like, who is that guy in the final five minutes? And that still worries me against Wisconsin, although Wisconsin has similar problems, and we saw it kind of unearth itself against Wake Forest, and they lost yet another close game, which they did also against Kansas. So, you know, I, I, I do think that that's kind of a, we're even, and who knows, maybe the last five will be a rock fight if it does come down to the wire, and it typically does when Marquette and Wisconsin get together. But I, I truly, truly believe they have a ton of talent here, and it's going to be a fun, fun winter. And it just, it's joyous, right? It's, it's really fun that we go from such a disappointing stretch of sports to now we have a Bucks team that's been great, and that helped, you know, mitigate some of the football struggles. But I think we always expected the Bucks to be great, right? None of us, none of us thought the Bucks would struggle, and I, yeah, they're playing a little bit better maybe than expected with all the injuries they've had. But still, it's it, you know, it's a championship team, right? It's a team that you expect to win another championship, whether it's this year, the year after. So you have that sort of built in. Marquette is new and exciting. So you have Marquette and the Bucs playing really great basketball that makes for a awesome winner. Winner's going to go quick. All of a sudden, it'll be March before we know it. And it wouldn't be surprising to me if Marquette is contending not only for a Big East title, but for a top seed in the NCAA tournament. Yes, that's an overreaction, but all signs are pointing to that. If you look at some of the metrics, Marquette is really up there. And they're starting to climb up to the top of the Big East. And some of the writers are calling, like the field of 68 uh, called Marquette a threat last year or last night in the Big East. And I don't think that's an overreaction. It's a really fun time to be a Marquette Golden Eagle basketball fan. And we haven't been able to say that since pre-Wojo. And I'm so, so excited for Marquette, Wisconsin this Saturday. Um, this is probably the most excited I've been for a game in a couple of years. I, there were a couple of Wojo years where I was excited. The the game against uh, Marquette or Wisconsin when Brad Davidson punched the dude in the nuts. It went to overtime. That was a fantastic fucking basketball game. Um, and that was one that I, I was excited for. Um, and this one is right up there. And I cannot wait um, because that crowd, man, on... Uh, on well we're going to talk about Saturday so why don't we we get into that but yes a lot more to come with Marquette and it's it's fun to have a college basketball team to root for to look forward to again all right Wisconsin Shotsky we haven't done this in 
forever. We, we did this a lot in the summer. Um, so bring it back. Um, we'll try to do this more on Wednesdays where we just pick three topics, um, like a Shotsky, if you would. Um, and they're, they're quicker. They're not necessarily going to be your eight or nine minute uh, topics. They're going to be more like condensed and just you know, quick thoughts on, on certain Wisconsin sports topics. Sometimes they don't have to be Wisconsin sports topics, but these ones are going to be. So I was getting into it. I was starting to get excited. And I'm like, oh, you got to end your Marquette topic first, dude. Saturday is going to be a banger of a day. It is a major drink management ma- management day. You have USA Netherlands. You have the Big 12 Championship. You have the SEC Championship. You have Marquette, Wisconsin. You have the Big Ten title game. All on the same damn day. That is sports nirvana. If I was not doing something on Saturday, I don't think I'm leaving my couch. I think I'm inviting people over. I think I'm getting a bunch of beers and I'm just watching the games. And that's it. And we're going from sunup to sundown. But I have a Santa ride that I do with my in-laws family every year. Um, and it's out and about, it's fun. And I'm sure some of you will be there, whether it be at Lakefront or at some of your other locations, right? And everybody rides their bikes and dresses as a Santa. We don't ride our bikes anymore. We didn't do it for a while because we lived very close to the to Brady Street. So it didn't really make sense for us to backtrack. Anyways, we're still not riding bikes and we're meeting people down on Brady Street, I think at 10 o'clock. Well, your boy's probably going to end up going early so I can I can go to Nomad for a bit and watch the first half of, of Netherlands US. And then the decision will be whether I stay there and have people come to me or I, I go to Roman Coin for the second half. Um, I think it will depend on the vibes too, right? Like if Netherlands, Netherlands goes up early, um, I might have to might have to just go in general to Roman Coin. I think I might have to Glansberg it. I was like, oh, my, my brother-in-law can come with me. Like he's a big soccer fan. And I was like, great. And they're like, I don't know if he's going to be there. And I'm like, shit. <laughs> my wife doesn't really like soccer. And so I'm like, which you could argue at this point is a little low-key on American. Um, but yes, I, uh, I'm looking forward to that. Um, so my Santa gear will be matched with the USA scarf and hopefully bring it home for the boys. That was an awesome awesome fo- game of soccer. I almost said football, uh, which it's, it's not football, it's soccer. Um, which I don't know where that started. I was going to look up the origin. I was going to ask that question to some of my friends, and I just never did. But, yeah, I'm very excited for that. I'm so excited for Marquette, Wisconsin. I, I don't think I'm going to be in the barn. Um, I almost kind of don't want to be. Like, I, I think that's a fun bar watch. Um, I saw some bars are having, like, watch parties, things like that. Um, should be a really good time um, out in the city of Milwaukee on Saturday, um, whether it be that game, whether it be for the Santa ride, um, but yeah, that's a major like full day drink management, like make sure and and almost like one of those where after that Marquette Wisconsin game, like you're home, like right? You're you're not staying out all day. And like if I'm out at nine, and this is where like being in the suburbs is a little bit of a I wouldn't say death sentence, but it's like that's too intense. Uh, but it's like if you if you are on the Lower East Side, that you can come home for a couple hours, get a reprieve, freshen up, head out, head back out for the Marquette game, and then stay out for you know maybe till 9, 30, 10 o'clock. I don't think you can do that with this one. This one you need you need that space, you need that buffer if you were to if you were to venture back out. 
Other Shotsky topics, uh, Aaron Rodgers is planning to play on on Sunday. Um, I am not surprised by that. Uh, I admire what Aaron Rodgers is doing. I know it can annoy some fans, and this is more of an addendum to our podcast topic on Tuesday, which go back and listen to that, about Aaron Rodgers not really caring about the future of the Packers, which makes sense. And there are a lot of guys who've done that in the past. I don't need to repeat Tuesday's show. But, yeah. That's what Aaron Rodgers wants to do and let him do it. He's like, we beat the Bears, we get a big win, and then can go be healthy. And they should have all that it takes to beat that Bears team. Who knows if Justin Fields is going to play. Um, you have Darnell Mo- Mooney now out for the season with an ankle injury. Eddie Jackson put on injury reserve. That Bears defense was porous as it is, and now you lose Eddie Jackson on top of that. That's going to be a really ugly unit. This is an over game if I've ever seen it. We'll talk a little bit about betting stuff with Mitch on Friday. But like, it's, um, it's, it's a great opportunity for the Packers to get a win finally and try to make themselves part of the playoff conversation. Stay in the hunt. Um, and you know, have that outside shot. And it, it's not going to be easy, right? They're going to need a lot of breaks, and they're going to probably need to run the table here. And it, it looks highly unlikely with Joe Barry running that defense. But yes, they're, they're, still, they're still an area of opportunity, and Aaron Rodgers is going to go down swinging. And I'm sure the Packers see what we see. You have the Bears, and they have a really bad Rams team the next two weeks, and you can kind of get yourself ready and get your shit together before challenging the Miami Dolphins, which will not be easy, right? That That's the game that kind of decides it. That's the sort of the either or, and the Packers need to make sure that they are full speed and that Joe Barry's ready for it. And I'm nervous as hell for that game, and it's three weeks away. I just don't want to – it's a national game. All eyes are on you. Um, I hope Joe Barry has a better game plan than what he did against Philadelphia. And I hope Joe Barry has a better game plan this week against Chicago and Justin Fields. Like, it's the exact same shit. Like, he should really – we'll see if there's a learning of mistakes or if Joe Barry is just that ignorant um, or and arrogant for that matter. Uh, but, yeah, we'll talk obviously a lot more about Packers-Bears tomorrow when we do storylines um, as well as with Mitch on Thursdays or Fridays, excuse me, tapping the keg. Other Shotsky topic, I have a confession about the Pfizer form. I don't really miss Miller Lite. Yep. I said it. So they now have Bud products. Um, Michelob Ultras are available pretty regularly, whether it's in cans or in, on draft. Michelob Ultra is a little, I would say a little more watery than a Miller Lite. Um, it's a different taste, but it's still very refreshing. It's still great to watch at a sporting event. It's the exact kind of beer you want at a sporting event. Um, I, I was contending last time I was there that they didn't have enough Budweiser. Because I like a good Bud Heavy every now and again. Um, that's one of the, the, the beers in that group that I enjoy. Stella Etois, also very good, which I had on tap, which I didn't get. Because it's a little heavier of a beer. And when you're going to games during the week, a little life hack, don't drink your craft beers. That, that kind of keeps that kind of keeps it off. Um, but I, um, I I look at it and it's it's not that big of a deal. And, and maybe I said this when we talked about it. I was really upset that Miller Lite was going away. I felt like it was more I was mad at the city of Milwaukee. I was more mad at the Fiserv than I was anything else. Um, so I, I, really, I really look at that and, and say, like, okay, this is, this is not a big deal. This is not something 
that I, I'm going to I'm going to really worry about, and I I will be okay with. So that I I will survive. I think it's it's going to be all right. I thought I had another Shotsky topic. I was like, oh, we'll add a fourth one. I'll do it back and listen. I forgot it, um, so I apologize. Maybe I'll bring it up as a a bonus on Thursday for Chuck's Corner or something else. Um, college football playoff rankings, just for shits and giggles. Let's just add that as our fourth. Uh, not anything surprising. I, I really do think Ohio State gets in if you if, tech, if TCU or USC were to falter um, this weekend. I think Ohio State is that team that gets in. I saw Heather Dinich make a case that Michigan could be number one. I think if Michigan were to blow out Purdue and Georgia were to have sort of a, you know, they were to stumble, maybe you maybe that that does happen. Maybe Michigan does go up to that number one seed. Um, but yeah, it'll be very curious how they how they build this out, right? Because Michigan USC is a Rose Bowl game, right? It, would they would they try for that? Would they try for that Michigan USC game? Um, also, too, with one of the games being in Phoenix and one of the games being in Atlanta, like how how do you balance that? Obviously, Georgia would want the Atlanta game. Like that's a no brainer that Georgia is trying to get the Atlanta game, and they probably will lock into the Atlanta game. But Phoenix, for whoever Michigan's playing, while understand that Michigan has a large fan base and there will be a large Michigan contingent, it does kind of work against them because it's USC and TCU really are hindered by going to to Atlanta. They are very close to Phoenix. So that's a it's an interesting little subplot in the college football playoff thing. And then if Ohio State gets in, would there be a sort of inkling to go Michigan-Ohio State? And we discussed that a little bit at the start of the show, talking about Fickle, where it's like, we saw what Duke-North Carolina did for a ratings of a Final Four game. I know the committee looked at that and said, basically the viewership tells us we don't give a shit. We'll watch that rivalry anytime, anywhere. And yeah, maybe we we have that again. I don't know. Um, It'll be, I think this weekend will be more fun than people want to give it. Like I know that there's not a ton for college college or conference championship weekend, but I, I mean, there's a lot of pressure on TCU. There's a lot of pressure on USC. If USC were to lose on Friday, I do wonder what the pressure looks like for for TCU. But trying really hard, we'll talk maybe more about it tomorrow or something, but trying really hard not to use the last two weeks to cloud my judgment on USC because what I've seen from USC is a really good, a, a really good football team and a football team that I think deserves to be in the college football playoff. Caleb Williams deserves to be Heisman. I love Utah. I, I think Utah was one of my teams out of the gates this year. But it's it's going to be hard to go against USC um, when it comes down to it on Friday. And I cannot wait for that. Very happy. Uh, my wife has a friend in town. They're going to be out to dinner. Can watch a lot of that USC-Utah game as well as Bucks lakers So it should be an awesome Friday night, which starts. So you have Friday and Saturday and Sunday. There's great football. I mean, it's a great sports weekend. I'm so excited for it. Get me to what? Get me to Friday, um, please. All right, we'll be back tomorrow. We'll talk storylines, and I'm sure we'll recap Bucks Knicks and anything else that comes across the wire. All right, take care, guys. Have a good one. Bye.